0: Getting Legal With It, a podcast for Colorado Young Lawyers by Colorado Young Lawyers. I'm your host, Kevin Chaney. For those listening to us for the first time, I'm a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer here in Colorado. I graduated from the University of Colorado Law School in 2014 and founded my practice, Chaney-Galuzzi Howard LLC, a short time later. I'm a member of the Colorado Trial Lawyers Association, where I serve on its board, executive committee, and legislative committee. I also serve on the Colorado Bar Association's Board of Governors, the CBA Executive Committee, and the CBA Young Lawyers Division Executive Council. Finally, I'm also a member of the Colorado Criminal Defense Bar Association. If you're interested in learning more about any of these wonderful organizations, please feel free to shoot me an email at kevin at cghlawfirm.com. This podcast is created and sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association's Young Lawyers Division. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you bi-weekly episodes with information that is both fun and informative for young lawyers. We have some awesome guests lined up and we are just getting started. Finally, if you like our podcast, please, please, please leave us a review and tell your colleagues. And with that, let's jump right in. I'm so excited for our guest today, uh, who is also a member of the Colorado Bar Association, YLD's Executive Council, uh, Tawny Sevy. As a member of the trial section of Muay White, Tani focuses her practice on general commercial litigation. She handles all aspects of a case from initial assessment, discovery and depositions, through trial, and everything in between. Tani has experience defending discrimination in Section 1983 actions, negligence claims involving personal injury and property damage, and cases involving breaches of contract and business disputes. Prior to joining Muay White, Tani, Tani worked at a regional firm where she experienced in a wide variety of areas, including employment litigation. Additionally, she clerked for the Honorable Ross Buchanan in Denver District Court. Tani is an active hunter-jumper equestrian and an amateur ballet dancer. She also runs recreationally and occasionally participates in races. Tani, welcome to the podcast. It's
1: good to be here, Kevin.
0: How's your day going so far?
1: Pretty well. And yours?
0: Oh, you know, not too bad. Not too bad. It's Friday, uh, so no complaints. <laughs> why don't we jump right in? I, I know we just did the, the standard biography off of the website, but why don't you uh, tell our listeners a, a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and uh, we'll kind of go from there.
1: So I'm from Haley, Idaho, originally. Um, it's a small town. If anyone's a skier, it's about 10 miles south of Sun Valley, Idaho. Okay. Um, it's, it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. I, yeah um, <laughs> I grew up skiing and then got into horseback riding, and that was kind of it on that. But. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, I went to college uh, back east at Colgate University in upstate New York um, and then made my way out to Colorado.
0: And uh, what'd you major in out in Colgate?
1: I was an English history double major.
0: Okay. And did you know when you were in undergrad that law school was kind of the direction you wanted to go or how did that come about?
1: I did not. Um, I really had no clue what I was going to do after college, Um, but I did know um, with my major, I liked writing, I liked researching, and I liked kind of analyzing and coming to some kind of conclusion. And um, when I was a sophomore and junior, I had some friends that were had been upperclassmen that went to law school, and uh, I was talking to them about their experiences, the classes they were taking, their summer internships, and I thought that it might be a good fit for me, uh, and went, uh, applied, came out to DU, and uh, graduated in 2013, and so, no, I had no idea that was what I was going to do. It was just kind of where I ended up, but it's it's been a good choice.
0: Nice. It's always interesting. We've had a lot of guests on and I always ask them that same question to kind of get started, that some people kind of had that direct path and then some others had the the kind of roundabout way of of finding the law. Um, Let me ask you this. What brought you to Colorado? Was it DU specifically? Did you know you just wanted to be in Colorado generally or uh, what brought you out here?
1: I really didn't know. Um, I actually had every intent of staying back East after college. I loved I I grew up out in the West. I obviously loved growing up out here. But I also loved the change of pace and being I I certainly wasn't in a city back East. I was in a pretty small town in upstate New York. Um, But I really did love just that change of pace and just seeing a different part of the country experiencing a different culture, even within the same country. And I had every intent of staying back East, um, especially I was thinking about like North Carolina, Virginia, that area. Right. And then when I came out to uh, to Denver to look at DU after I was accepted, um, I, I just really loved it. And. I liked that it was a little bit of, of a different feel. Again, it was much bigger than anything I'd grown up with. Um, I mean, my County at home is 25,000 people. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, uh,
0: I know all about that. I grew up in Casper, Wyoming. I think our County has about 70,000, but not, not many more, yeah. not many more. <laughs> you, you really do get that I think in, in the Denver area you get the you know some of the perks of uh, you know a smallish vibe place and obviously you have the mountains and a lot of outdoor areas but it's also a lot bigger than you know traditional rural America.
1: And that was very much uh, kind of what kept me here because I came out because I did really like that feel and I liked being in a little bit of a bigger area. But I loved that, you know, I lived downtown for four years and I loved that I could live downtown, be downtown, experiencing um, the arts and theater and things like that. But then I could go out and ride my horse on the weekends. Um, And that was a huge part of the draw for me. And it was a big part of what kept me here.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, So when you went to law school, uh, did you know, uh, I guess, what area or type of law that you wanted to do? Or tell us a little bit about uh, your journey towards uh, general commercial litigation.
1: Um, that was another one that was a bit of a roundabout way for me. Um, I I knew I wanted to, I knew I had an interest in constitutional law because I am a history geek. I was a history major. Right. Um and when I started really getting into um I loved my constitutional law professor f- or my first year of law school. That was Professor Professor Alan Chen at DU, um, who is amazing. And um I had him for a couple other classes uh for the rest of my law school career mm-hmm. and really did enjoy the co- the constitutional um civil rights components. Um, and then when I was, but when I was figuring out, um, what I want to do for practice, I decided that really wasn't the right practice area for me, um, for a bunch of different reasons. Right. Um, it's, you know, on the defense side, you kind of always feel like you're, uh, either in the right or way too much in the wrong. There's not really much of a middle ground. <laughs> fair,
0: <laughs> and, fair. <That's> a-
1: <laughs> and on the plaintiff side, I think the cases that you take in that area, um, it can just be very challenging and very emotional. And I think you really have to have the right personality to work through that. And I wasn't sure I did. Right. Um, So I, I kind of came to employment law first uh, because it does have a lot of the dynamic uh, impact and changing atmosphere and changing law that a civil rights litigation has. Um, But it's a little bit, it's not quite as intense, which for me, I found I liked having that little bit more of, um, of knowing that there was a company involved, knowing it's usually a company that does want to make the right decisions with employees, if things go bad, there are still some really interesting facts to be involved because people's jobs are important, right. um, but you still get uh, a very interesting legal framework that that all takes place in, and that was really what drew me to that. So that's that really has been a lot of my focus as I've practiced, and then I've kind of spanned, but that being said, a lot of there are a few uh, employment specific firms in Denver. It is, um, Mm -hmm. there are a lot more that just do general commercial, but then do have, um, some uh, employment as part of what they do and employment as part of their practice. And that's kind of where I keep finding myself. Um, and I do like that variety. And that's the other thing I found for a long time. I was really thinking focus on employment, focus on only that. Um, but as I started practicing more, I found, I really do like having the variety of commercial lit. I like being able to have, I like the business disputes. I like, um, again, the dynamics that go on, uh, between different businesses, different, uh, people within the businesses. And it, it really has kept me there and and drawn me there.
0: You know, uh, and and that's really interesting. And I'd like to kind of focus in on one of the things that you said, as you were kind of deciding on what your career was going to be, was not only, you know, what practice area, That you were drawn towards, but also uh, evaluating kind of the emotional burden that comes from that practice area. And that's something that we've talked about with some of our guests on before, whether that's family law, criminal defense or civil rights. in your example is uh, not every area of the law carries the same emotional burden. And, you know, I think we all envisioned ourselves, you know, winning all of those cases and like helping all of these individuals and being awesome without recognizing that so many of the times in that situation you lose, you know, and you have to break the news to your clients like that there is no remedy, that there, you know, there's nothing better, you know, we can't, there's nothing I can do for you. Um, And that can be, uh, you know, very soul crushing, you know, and so I think that that's something that young lawyers maybe, you know, don't always think about is – you know, am I going to enjoy it? But also, am I going to be able to, you know, leave this at work and go home and enjoy my life without kind of having it weigh me down? Was that kind of part of your analysis when, when, when thinking about it?
1: It was, it was definitely part of it. Um, the other part of it for me, I've always been a little bit more drawn to the representing companies instead of individuals. Um, uh-huh. that's not to say I don't represent individuals. I have, in and I, I do enjoy that part of my practice. Um, but it just, by the, On the large part i find the company a little bit it's a little bit easier to have those conversations because it is a company they understand business decisions they understand um where they understand kind of where where that decision needs to be made and where it can be made and that's not to say sometimes those decisions aren't emotional but sometimes that it just helps having that little bit more of a detachment um, and just it's just a little bit of a different, I think environment. and then having just always individuals, always individual clients that you really do feel strongly about and really do want to help. Um, I, I do and I think just having that little bit of still a personal involvement and still some emotions, but having right. that little bit more of just the straight professional this is business, I think that does help with it too.
0: Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that when you're interacting with companies. Are you uh, usually working with like a a general counsel? Are you working with mostly insurance adjusters or, uh, you know, obviously a... uh, a company doesn't really speak in the traditional way. So who who are you often working with in in your cases to kind of let you know the position of the company or the or the carrier if it's an insurance case?
1: Um, that's really varied. And I, I really don't do a ton of insurance anymore. But certainly in my, in my last firm, um, we did a lot of communicating with adjusters. And that's, again, its own kind of different realm and world because you would be um, retained as insurance defense counsel and have a company contact and an insurance defense contact um, and so you'd have to kind of balance those roles and everything. Um, usually at the, at the company, it's someone fairly high up, whether it's a president, whether it's a managing member of an LLC. Um, those are usually the people I'm working with, or whether it's um, someone in a particular department that it's, you know, the department that's involved, and they're the ones who... Um, who are just know the most about the situation and, or whether it's someone in HR, whether it's a particular department in the company, um, sometimes it's those people, but for the smaller businesses, it's usually, um, a managing member or something like, or someone like that. Um,
0: Interesting. What, uh, so obviously you've now been doing this for several years. What what advice would you give to a law student or a young lawyer who is potentially um, getting into kind of defense sided um, general commercial litigation? Like, what are some stuff that you wish you had known in the beginning that you know now?
1: Um, I think one th- one thing that I would keep in mind is don't cabin yourself off to possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you never really know where something's going to take you, and we're in. Um, I graduated in 2013. I didn't graduate at the worst of the recession, but I certainly graduated when the economy was still recovering and where opportunities for young lawyers were few and far between. Um, and I think I did this as, an, as a new lawyer, and I've certainly saw um, other of my classmates doing this, applying to, you know, only your dream job, only jobs you were really, really interested in. Um, and I wouldn't say don't do that, but I would say don't, narrow yourself too much too um and if you know sometimes there might be a really interesting opportunity that comes up that maybe you say oh that's not the exact area I want to practice in but it might be a really good foothold to either getting getting your foot in the door getting that area of practice getting some experience and then being able to go to that dream job in two three five ten years whenever that ends up being Um, so I think don't keep an open mind look at every possibility and Don't be afraid to try something just because it's not quite where you saw yourself.
0: Always good advice. Um, What what is your kind of day to day uh, work look like? I guess are you mostly reading, writing, or is it a lot of client meetings? Uh, uh, You know, doing civil litigation myself. I know that it's not always the the most courtroom heavy. Type of work, if you will, um, but what is kind of your general day look at look look like uh, for some of our listeners that may be interested in in going this route?
1: Um, it really it varies. Um, recently I have had a lot of client and partner phone calls, um, and that's just been with where my cases are right now and where uh, where things are postured in some of the disputes we have maybe going on in those cases. I have had. Um, my last maybe month or so, I feel like I've been on the phone for lengthy amounts of time every day. Um, I've had other times where I've had a, a big motion for summary judgment or some, you know, I'm preparing for trial where it's a mix of writing, um, meetings, um, whether that's experts, whether that's clients or other witnesses, um, I would say for the most part, I'm pretty heavy on the writing. That's always been probably the practice of law part, the part of the practice of law I've enjoyed the most. Um, and I've the, been... the
0: English major kind of gave that <laughs> exactly. away that maybe writing was, uh, was your thing. That, <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. I'm a little shocked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that it, it definitely is. Um, and I, I do have a pretty good track record with my motions practice. And I think that's part of because partly because I do really enjoy it and I do really like it. Um, but and I, I am usually especially in the civil arena and with the, with being on the more commercial side, um, you know generally there is a lot of motions practice involved in whether that's motions in limb, whether that's uh, motions to dismiss or motions for summary judgment, that generally that practice is pretty heavy into that. So I think if you're if you're going into commercial litigation, don't expect to be in the courtroom every day. Um, certainly we have plenty of cases that go to trial, but really the, the bulk of what we do is, um, I would say, client contact, um, and just day-to-day management and a lot of writing.
0: Interesting. Um, one other question before we move on to our, our next topic, um, how is your, I guess, caseload, um, kind of structured or, uh, as an associate at, uh, I guess a, a mid-sized firm, I would say, um, are you Always, I guess, kind of second sharing under um, a partner on your cases or on certain cases. Are you lead counsel, or how does that kind of work?
1: Um, it's a mix of the two. Certainly, I am. I am not lead counsel on the bigger cases. We right. have. I am not that <laughs> there yet. Um, Fair. Yes. I, um, so on uh, so on the the bigger cases, I'm usually second chair. Um, there are some cases where, um, an associate might be really busy and needs a little bit of additional help. And sometimes we structure cases that someone can be brought in and can help with that. And that's been true. I think at every firm I've been at, sure. um, on some of the smaller cases, I really am primarily the one running them. Um, I've had a few recently that I really have started seeing through from start to finish whether cool. were I was the one who filed the complaint. I was the one who finished mediation. I was the one who got the settlement or got a resolution or, um, and I've, I've that's really been in the, just in the last year or two that I've started being able to really take a case and run with it. And I've really enjoyed being able to do that.
0: That's great. Glad uh, that they have that uh, confidence in you. That must feel good, you know, kind of seeing something from, uh, you know, start to finish and kind of seeing how it all plays out and things.
1: Yeah, it's. I really liked that part. And that was um, especially in, as um, as being a little more defense oriented, that's sometimes you kind of get a case handed to you. Um, I have actually I've done a few more cases on the plaintiff side recently, and I really have liked being able to to take it take it from start to finish and just, you know, do the best you can and see where things end up. Um, I've really been enjoy, enjoyed that aspect of being able to develop a
0: case. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'd like to shift gears here uh, a little bit and kind of move into, uh, one of our main topics for today, uh, which is clerking, um, from your bio. I know that you clerked for uh, judge Buchanan in the Denver uh, district court. So a state level, um, trial court and, uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, whether they're law students or, uh, Young lawyers uh, may be interested in clerking. Um, So, tell us a little bit about uh, how you ended up with Judge Buchanan.
1: So, I was a little unusual because clerking was my second job out of law school. Um, I had a contract position at a firm uh, for my first job out of law school. And uh, when that contract was coming to its end, I was looking for. I'd, I'd always kind of had an idea that I wanted to clerk mm-hmm. and was keeping an eye open for those opportunities. And I had a law school friend who is Judge Buchanan's clerk at that time. And uh, I saw that she that she'd kind of post on Facebook, I think, saying, if anyone's interested in a clerkship, let me know. So I reached out to her and said, is it your judge? I know you've really enjoyed working for him. Um, and she was like, yes, go ahead and submit your application and I'll you know, I'll let you know that. um I'll let him know that you've applied and we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. Right. Um, so it was, it was kind of the traditional, you still apply, but you do have a reference that really does kind of help move things along a little bit. Um, and that was, I think, a, a part of why I got the interview.
0: Did you know... Uh, that you wanted to clerk for a, a trial court level judge? Uh, did you consider, you know, maybe applying for the Court of Appeals or Colorado Supreme Court? Uh, or tell us a little bit about that th- that thought process.
1: I did. Um, you know, my three L year of law school, I. I honestly just didn't get those applications together and that's on me. Um, that was something I thought about. What do
0: they say? Three LOL. I think is the, that was the hashtag. My three L year was three LOL. I've you never know? heard that before, but that is awesome. <laughs> no, I, I was
1: actually working two jobs, my three L year. Uh, okay. um, so that was part of why I was just. So
0: the busy. opposite of three lol A it's little bit. Swamped, yes. swamped. Okay. Fair.
1: Um, and I was keeping an eye out for those opportunities. Um, but just knowing that when I was looking in the spring, and kind of knew that that's if I had that that would really only happen if I was going to wait another you know six months or so to get my to get my foot in the door for those. Um, so I was really key, at that time I really was keeping an eye open more on the state um, the state district court judges um, and really applying to a bunch of different opportunities. Um, and so it was one like I said I was kind of I knew it was something I had in the back of my mind I thought this might be the right time to do it and just kind of had the right opportunity come up.
0: What uh, is the, the day-to-day, uh, what does the day-to-day look like while clerking for a, a state court judge? Are you watching a lot of, I guess, trial and hearings? Is it mostly kind of behind the scenes, reading, writing, things like that? Uh, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what that looks like.
1: It was really a mix. Um, and in my experience, there really wasn't any typical day. There were, and my, I, I joked that kind of my typical day was I would come in thinking I would work on one thing and it would be completely the opposite. <laughs> um, I, um, I felt like i never got to the things that were on my to-do list which i think is a little bit true of being a lawyer in general right
0: right <laughs> it's just organized <laughs> chaos you just yes. go just go just go with it you yes, know just it, go with it. And it that is
1: i would say that's something i've gotten a lot more comfortable with as my career has gone on that was not something i enjoyed right, at right right
0: yeah at first <laughs> you feel like you're drowning and you're just like i'm never gonna get it all done and then i feel like you get to a point where you're like okay this is just how it's gonna be and you just learn to live with it
1: yeah so when I started clerking with Judge Buchanan, he was still on his domestic rotation. So I had three months of domestic and then about a year and a, a little under a year and a half um, on a civil rotation. And I did know he, um, that I wanted to do civil lit. So I, by that point, I did at least. Um, so I was in part that was actually part of why I was interested in clerking for him specifically, because I knew he was going to be on a civil rotation. Um, in domestic, I think you were in the courtroom the majority of the time and his division clerk and I would usually split. So she would go in, she would take mornings and I would take afternoons or vice versa. Um, because we were in the courtroom frequently, um, just with the, with the nature of that practice.
0: Tell us a little bit about the difference between a a division clerk and then I guess a law clerk, like what, how do they interact and what's, I guess, kind of the difference.
1: So the division, and this really does vary from district to district um, okay. in Denver. And I'm, I'm honestly not sure how things are with COVID because I know a lot of law clerks have been laid off. I don't think division clerks have right now. Okay. Um, in Denver, um, every judge has a division clerk and a law clerk um, and different districts handle that differently. Sometimes there's a law clerk that covers a few different judges. Sometimes there's um, a law clerk and there's a division clerk that covers a few different judges. It really is structured very differently in in different judicial districts in Denver. Um, generally the law clerks, I think have a pretty close, close working relationship with the district or with the division clerks, because, um, you know, generally the law clerks are new attorneys. Um, they, they're usually the ones a little more involved in the heavy drafting and the heavy, the research, um, how, whether, how involved a law clerk versus a division clerk is in a trial kind of just depends on how they decide to do things between themselves. Um, and depending on the courtroom, the division clerk generally handles more of the, um, scheduling, Mm -hmm. um, courtroom settings. Um, some of the more straightforward kind of court, I don't want to say that that's not quite right, but some of the more, um, day to day things, I think. Sure. Um, and while the law clerk is real is the one usually much more involved in the drafting, um, If jury trials and jury instructions and things like that, Um, but that being said, you work you work very closely with with the division clerk. You're both very close with the judge, um, and you really are. It's a collaborative process, and you need to. My judge at one point referred to it as a mini law firm. It was just you know the three of us (laughs) in this little law firm, and that really that was how our courtroom operated. Um, And I think that really does vary from judge to judge, and just how every every chambers is a little bit different. But that was you know, we were very collaborative. We worked very closely with each other. We had, you know, there were times I covered for the division clerk, there were times she covered for me, and we made sure that we were kind of up to speed on each other's on, you know, I might take lead on a few cases that had big moving parts. She was kind of took lead on a few others. We Mm -hmm. had to be up to speed on each other's cases enough in case one of us was out. Um, But it was, in my experience, at least it was a very collaborative process. And while the law clerk and the division clerk had different roles, they still worked very closely together.
0: What did you learn um, clerking for Judge Buchanan, or uh, I guess another way to phrase this is, do you think it made you a better lawyer, more prepared for practice uh, once you finished your clerkship?
1: I absolutely think it did. Um, And that was one thing I felt, um, you know, going from a clerkship to my first associate position, um, I felt like I had a really good understanding of how a case progressed from start to finish. I felt like I had a really good um, feel for Certain things judges liked and didn't like, um, for example, motions for consideration. I always hated those when those <laughs> came in the door. <laughs> and that's not to say that, you know, there aren't occasions when you file them, but that's something that I've, I've tra- certainly tried to keep in mind um, <laughs> as I've gone forward.
0: Fair, fair. All, um, how about now? Have you changed your mind? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I think... It had a really. It gave me a really good um, footing on how to how to go about some aspects of legal research because that's just something that you you get experience by doing, and you have some really weird issues come up when you're clerking. Like I had, uh, I had one. I think it was a motion to quash service in Wales or something like that. Um,
0: and, interesting. Oh, it was crazy. Like Wales over in England area.
1: Uh, oh, sorry. No, it was it was New Zealand. It was New South Wales. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. Um, I misspoke, but yes, it was. Um, And it was something I was like, I was looking at, I was like, how do I even start on
0: this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's fascinating.
1: Yeah. And you just, you have issues like that come up um, where you just can't even imagine. And you just, you have to kind of figure out how, how to handle it, how to um, kind of get, maybe, you know, the judge might read the motion and have one opinion. You might read the motion, have another, how to kind of reconcile those opinions and how to come to. Uh, something that moves the case along, but is um, you know keeping mind that uh, your role as an impartial third party.
0: Uh, and I guess that's actually a, a, something that I was kind of curious about. So. You know, if someone's clerking for, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, you probably know your judge's, uh, you know, legal philosophy, you know, going in because it's highly publicized. Um, when you're clerking for uh, a, a state trial court judge where the issues aren't nearly as polarized or political, if you will, um, you know, how did the, the decision making, uh, for example, let's say a motion for summary judgment or some other type of dispositive motion, would the, in your setup, would you kind of take a, a crack at, you know, kind of how you would decide it? Or were you, you know, discussing it with the judge before you started writing and the judge said, you know, hey, this is how I think we should come out. And then you would kind of fill it in. Or how, how did that process work?
1: It was kind of a mix of the two. And it, it kind of varied from motion to motion. Usually um, he would let me at least read through it and take... Um, if not a full first draft kind of say, hey, this is what, how I think it should come out. this is you know what I think based on what I'm seeing from both sides. I see a huge dispute of fact here. This is an easy denial. Like I would usually we would usually kind of start there um, and on some of the ones that were more detailed that where there wasn't something obvious or something um, that was really dispositive. Um, that's where we would really um, have a lot more of a conversation about, you know, this is what I think the law is showing. This is really what I think um, the research is showing. I think, you know, this is probably our strongest position. position. Um, so it really it really would vary, and there were some that were, you know, very easy. There is a dispute here, easy denial, um, right. and there were others that were a lot more in-depth. Um, I mean, I re- there was one I was working on, I remember, and I I was really going back and forth and really struggling with how we wanted to, to fi- finish the order, and I I remember going back to the judge and being like, there's no dispute of fact here. Like party X is entitled to summary judgment. And it was, I think it was the first summary judgment we actually granted. Wow. Um, and it was one where it was, you know, it really took getting into the drafting and getting into it and just, but still having that ongoing dialogue with the judge about, you know, this is this is kind of what I, I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. Am I off base in this? Interesting. Um, and it did, I think, give a really um, interesting profess- perspective on how more experienced attorneys look on that how he looked at that on the bench and um, and how how an associate can do that in a, in a law firm as well because it is a very similar dialogue in some aspects that you then have with partners saying you know this is what I think the research is showing I don't know if we can do this or I think we should do this absolutely and that we're really supported here and it is um, and I think it gives you more confidence in how to do that um, in a law firm setting too.
0: Right. That makes sense that, you know, having that relationship with the judge and trying to, you know, kind of brainstorm, you know, a, a legal result, um, it would be very similar to conversations that you would have with a partner on kind of a day to day basis. What would you say is your most interesting or favorite clerk story?
1: Oh, there are a lot. Um, I know. That's just
0: a nice little softball <laughs> for you. Let me toss that one up for you.
1: <laughs> no, I, um, you know, we had three really standout trials um and they were all pretty big cases they were all over i think the lo- the shortest one was five days and the longest one was 10 or 11 um it was a long trial and but uh, of those three i think my favorite clerkship story was from one of those or was from that that trial um, it was a, a pretty big um a sexual civil civil case but a, involved a sexual assault mm-hmm. um so it was very you know it was a very charged atmosphere um both attorneys on both sides were absolutely fantastic, um, but there were part of um, part of the what the plaintiff was trying to prove was that the defendant did have a pattern and practice of how he would kind of approach women and um, kind of curry their favor and uh, um, and kind of you know get into their good graces, right. um, things like that. And uh, there was a a woman who was and the plaintiff's attorney had. A witness testifying on the t- on the phone um, had kind of walked we'd already heard the plaintiff's testimony about her situation involved in this we'd heard kind of references to one other and another part of the case was whether this woman um, whether she was actually a legitimate employer whether it was kind of a front for her for him to funnel her money okay um, so it was, it was a very nuanced aspect and that was a large part of what this testimony was going towards so this woman is testifying on the phone and she's saying, you know, this is how he met me. This is how um, he kind of, you know, we got to be friends. This is how, um, you know, we kind of, I got to know him a little bit better. This is how he he ended up hiring me to come work at his company. Um, and it was a very similar story to what the plaintiff said. And, to, and the plaintiff's attorney goes, and did he ever question your business decisions or what is it? Was it more of a legitimate employment case? And um, and she goes, oh no, he absolutely, you know, respected my business decisions, respected my judgment, um, with one exception, and that was with Natalie, with um, with this other one employee, and you know, I didn't want, and so the follow up question is, well, what about this other employee? Oh well, you know, she'd kind of come from the same situation, and I, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really want how we met and how I came to work at this company to get out there. And I was really worried she would say something like that. And I really, I think Maria felt the same way. And you could just see the entire courtroom go, who's Maria? <laughs> <laughs> and we had, you know, quite a few other people coming from the court coming and watching. We had the whole jury. And I just, that it was such a good example of how to really build up testimony, how to really um, show your points and how to do it just through, you know, just through questions. Right. And it was so artfully done. And just the the whole set of facts was just so bizarre that then when it got to, Oh, and Maria felt the same way. You could just see everyone's face. Just going, like, wait, oh, what?
0: Oh. <laughs> That's really interesting. Really interesting. Um, before we move on from clerkship, I'd like to talk a little bit about the application process. So I know you, had, you said you had a friend working there, and and that was uh, part of the uh, in. Um, but what was the the rest of the application process like, either with Judge Buchanan or some of the other applications that you may have put in? Is it, you know, just like a resume? Is there like writing samples? Uh, did you were there interviews, or just kind of tell us a little bit about that process?
1: Um, and the answer is all of the above. Um, and I'm not sure how different it is now. I would think it's probably pretty similar. Um, the state uh, judici- the state district court judges have um a section of the website where you can just check pretty regularly for open clerkships and i unfortunately do not remember the name of the website but i know it's not difficult to find right. on the on the court you got
0: google listeners use it <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> um so and i think i submitted a resume writing sample um Cover letter and law school transcript, and I think that that was pretty standard for, for standard for Denver. I think you did need to submit all four of those pieces okay. um, to be to be considered. Um,
0: Any advice you would give to a law student, or I guess in your situation, even a, a young lawyer who is looking at um, you know uh, becoming a clerk? Um,
1: I I think. I thought it was a great position. I think it's something that, especially if you know you want to go into litigation, I think it's something that um, I wouldn't say every young lawyer should consider. But certainly if you are interested in litigation, I think it is a really good place to start. And I think it's a, it gives you a really firm footing. And I think um, it gives you a really interesting insight to what the judicial process is. And because you have you know, my judge said several times, you know, you don't you're not going to know how every judge is going to rule, but you know how one judge in Denver would rule on certain things. And, you know, that can inform you and that can inform you and your clients and your part and the you know, the partners you work for as you move forward. Um, So and especially I don't think as much on the transactional side, although I think that still has some benefits, too. Right. Um, But I think certainly if you're considering litigation, it's a really good place to start.
0: Do you still stay in touch with uh, Judge Buchanan? Like, do you consider him a mentor or?
1: I do. Yes. Um, and he and I, uh, it's been a little bit odd with, COVID. you know, we usually right. do grab lunch every couple of months, um, kind of catch up. If I was over in Denver district Court, uh, I would usually stop by his chambers and say, hi, <laughs> um, obviously haven't been able to do that recently. R- right, either.
0: right, right. This whole global pandemic thing, just throwing a wrench in everybody's plans.
1: <laughs> yes. But no, he I, I have stayed in touch with him. Um, I've stayed in touch with um, our division clerk there as well. Um, and, uh, I've stayed in touch with a few of our, uh, of our interns or fellows too. So it was, um, it was a really good way to get not just a mentor relationship, um, and to really have, feel like you really do have someone you can keep going back to with that. But, um, you know, I, I had friends who were a lot of friends who were clerks for other judges at that time. It was a, a pretty good group and tight, pretty tight knit while I was there. Um, and I have plenty of people from that, from, who are other clerks I've stayed in touch with. Um, and it, so it was a really collegial environment. I think that, um, you know, that also offers a network and, and just a good professional, like, professional friends to move forward with right, as your right. career continues.
0: Well, one of the things that I think we've talked about, I think on literally every episode is the importance of mentorship and in finding those mentors. And, uh, you know, judges make great mentors because obviously they're doing something right in their career to make it to the bench. Uh, And usually they have uh, a lot to offer to young attorneys. So uh, for our listeners, uh, one great way to get a mentor is to consider clerking and developing that relationship um, with a judge. Uh, I'd like to shift gears a little bit to our final topic today and talk a little bit about CBA YLD. Um, obviously, you are on uh, the executive council and I think have been uh, for uh, quite a while now. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you decided to get involved with the YLD?
1: Um, so I, again, kind of the power of networking. Um, I had a friend who'd been on YLD and had been chair, um a few years ago. And when I started and I really I admittedly was not very active when I was clerking, in part because, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't quite sure how, you know, how to get involved and still be a law clerk and be kind of impartial right, and right, balance. Right. And that was something that I feel like a lot of law clerks struggled sure. with or kind of knew was something they would have to balance. And that makes sense. so it kind of made a little sense just to wait until I got into practice. <laughs> um, but when I started in practice, I was really starting to think about how I wanted to be involved. Um, what, um, what I wanted to do, um, and, uh, organizations that I thought would be meaningful. And, uh, I had a friend who had been on Young Lawyers Division previously and uh, she talked to me about her experience and I thought that it would be a good fit for me because I thought that having gone through uh, an economy that was a rough, a rough start, knowing um, the networking context that I'd had, that it helped me get interviews, get positions, or understand the networking process better, um, I thought that I could offer something to young lawyers who are also going through that process because it's not easy. Um, and I know that I have, um, I'm a little bit shy, I'm a little bit introverted, and it is hard for me to put myself out there. And I, I want to be able to be a resource for people who are kind of in that same position too. And uh, especially for someone who was still focusing a practice and things like that and not, you know, didn't have necessarily a section to go to or a section that I knew for sure I wanted to be involved in. Um, right. I thought YLD was a really good start to under, you know, meet more people who are in kind of the same position as me and then be able to help other people who were all, who had been in the same position or were in the same position as I had been, um, help them along on their path as well.
0: What, uh, types of, I guess, programming or activities or initiatives, uh, have you been a part of, uh, since joining the Wildy?
1: Um, I've probably been most involved with the CLEs and some of the fitness things we do. Um, the first year I was on the board, we did a full day, uh, nuts and bolts litigation CLE, um it was a big hit it went we um it was something that we were kind of trying to revive from a few years ago um and we did it two years in a row it was, a, it was a really good, great success both years, and this year would have been the third year, and that has unfortunately been a bit postponed.
0: Yes, um, uh, unfortunately, that one will not be happening this year, but it is going to be brought back in uh, 2021. Uh, it's going to be focused on appellate and post-trial issues, so if you're listening and interested in that, uh, uh, Justice uh, Melissa Hart is going to be our keynote um, speaker on that, so if you're interested in any of that, stay tuned to uh, the YLD Facebook page, Instagram page. Uh, there should be a lot of really cool uh, things about that. And then tell us a little bit about the fitness stuff that that CBA YLD has been doing uh, in this time of COVID. Uh, staying healthy is probably more important than ever.
1: Yes, agreed. Um, so we've all, for the last couple of years, YLD has really um, tried to get uh, some fitness groups going and have, you know, not necessarily like a consistent group, you know, consistent running group, although we have done kind of running, running groups every once in a while. Um, But we've done, uh, we've done a few running events. Um, So we've done Cherry Creek Sneak regularly for the last few years. Um, And from that we this year in particular, YLD uh, had a springboard and has started doing um, a couple different uh, series of fitness events um, that are fitness classes, uh, nutrition uh, we're working on one right now that's uh, kind of a mindfulness meditation type one. That one's still in the works, but I think it'll be a really great event when we uh, when we finish it. Um, it's because we do, aside from COVID, which is obviously a huge, huge impact right now, um, this is a demanding profession. There is really something to be said for work-life balance. Um, and for being able to, you know, go take a 20 minute run if, um, if you've had a long day at work. And, and I think th- that's something that falls by the wayside so easily and it's, um, become even more important now. So we have, you know, we've had, um, some yoga we've had for COVID in particular, we've had, um, hit impact, uh, training classes. We've had yoga, um, we've had a bunch of outdoor events, um, and it's all been very geared towards, uh not just COVID, but also trying to just generally make young lawyers remember that that is or help young lawyers remember that this is important. You need to care for yourself too. And we're in the business of caring for other people so much that that's a really easy thing to forget. And that's something that we we don't think anyone should.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that's a, a really great point because you don't want to get burned out, you know, and that's, it's not good for you. It's not good for your friends and family who may not appreciate it. And uh, it's not good for your clients. Ultimately, you know, if you're not in a good place, then you're not going to be, uh, you know, you're the best, person you can be to assist your clients uh, with those matters Um, I'm not 100% sure of what day this uh, podcast will be dropping and so I believe our next event will likely have already happened but uh, it should be dropping before December and there will be, uh, I believe there is a snowshoe event uh, scheduled for uh, Lake Brainerd.
1: December 5th? uh,
0: December 5th so uh, this episode will definitely be out before then so if you're listening and you're like let's do some snowshoeing uh, definitely come join us. Uh, it's also going to be super easy. Uh, you can, when you sign up, actually request snowshoes, and so if you don't own snowshoes or haven't snowshoed, not a problem. Uh, we can get those uh, handled for you.
1: And there should also be hot chocolate there.
0: There will be hot chocolate there, so if you're not sold on snow or uh, you know physical exertion, you should probably be sold on hot chocolate yes, because that's always, always a win in the middle of a, a Colorado December. Um, uh, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, I have a, a, a few more questions about uh, the YLD um, within the YLD uh, so obviously you know being on the Executive Council is a leadership role kind of in and of itself um, but I know that you actually served uh, some time as an officer uh, for the YLD. Um, tell us a little bit about that and kind of uh, leadership opportunities on, on top of just being on the Executive Council
1: um, so I was I was a secretary for three years um, in that role, um, I was taking our minutes, um, helping getting our minutes approved every month. Um, in addition to, um, you know, fielding questions that came up about, you know, what's happened at meetings, um, I, helping uh, coordinate with our section with some of our section liaisons, um, things like that. Um, as And then that has kind of morphed into some other opportunities for me. Um, so, for example, when we had. About a year and a half ago now, um, we partnered with the ABA, uh, American Bar Associ- Association, excuse me, Young Lawyers Division, um, to, uh, to do a continuing conference that they've done annually for now maybe four or five years um it started in Colorado and Aspen that was the, that was the first year they did it um and it started as the four corners regional summit and every year it kind of added a, another state or two so we've gotten to where it's the ABA Young Lawyers Division Mountain States Annual Conference <laughs> nice um, and about a year and a half ago it was in Steamboat Springs um it was the first year I'd gone um it was absolutely fantastic. a great event um i was i uh, helped coordinate some of the CLEs that were involved um it was i think two days of programming. I think we got there on Thursday. There was kind of a welcome reception. Um, We had two days of full CLEs. I think it was, you know, 14 credits or so, and then had Sunday to everyone could kind of do their own thing or do things in a group if you wanted to um, and just really explore Steamboat and uh, and enjoy the town on the last day and kind of relax after a very intense couple days of the conference. Um, But I, you know, I helped coordinate the CLEs. I helped get approval for not just Colorado, but some of the other states. Um, I helped coordinate some of the speakers. Um, helped with introductions in some of the presentations in that regard. Um, and that, that is an opportunity I absolutely would not have had if not for CBA, aylD um, because that was, we've had a few members that have been really active with ABA. We've partnered now with that event for four or five years now, and it's been a great event. It's been an absolutely fantastic event, I think, every year, um,
0: you also can't go wrong having a conference or a convention in Steamboat. No. I have uh, had the pleasure of attending one or two uh, there, and what a great town! To it was have, fantastic. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, when you're going to be doing legal legal learning, legal networking, and and kind of you know getting ideas for upcoming terms and stuff like that. Uh, always good to be in the beautiful mountains.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing about it is from some of the the experiences I'd had on CBA Wildy, I at least kind of knew how to go about you know, getting CLE approval, who to talk to, um, how to start coordinating some of those events. And so it's one of those, if you start, things kind of springboard and other opportunities arise.
0: Um, so I, I, I kind of end each of these uh, episodes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really a pleasure speaking with you today. I generally end these kind of the, the same way. Um, if anyone who's listening is interested in learning more about uh, clerking or general commercial litigation or uh, horses uh, or <laughs> uh, living near uh, uh, ski resorts, uh, is, are they, is it okay if people uh, reach out to you?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: And uh, what is your your uh, email address or what's the best way to get a hold of you
1: uh best way is usually either email or these days my cell uh, my email is tanya t-a-n-y-a uh, dot c-v-s-e-v-y at moywhite.com um, and my cell is 208-720-0055
0: well there you go guys don't uh no prank texts but uh <laughs> <laughs> other than that uh reach out uh thank you so much tani for coming on the the show it was a real pleasure and I hope you have a wonderful day
1: thank you for having me Get legal with it.